Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to the final OVP Hall of Fame bite for 2019. I, of course, am Joe Murata alongside Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? Howdy, diddy. Fans, thank you so much for being with us here. If you are new to the show, perhaps you're stumbling upon this out of nowhere on our podcast feed or on YouTube because we're dual ca- simulcasting here. That's what they will. say in the business, yeah, simulcasting. Dual casting. <laughs> we do host a regular, every single Monday, retro wrestling audio podcast that you can check out. It's called Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And you can find that, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and all those places where podcasts are available, Spotify and places like that. And you can go to our website if you'd like at ovppodcast.com. You can tweet at us at ovppodcast. And you can join our Facebook group. Just go ahead and check the link in the YouTube video or go to Facebook and search for the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast Discussion Group. But if you are familiar with us, you know that we are here to do our final Hall of Fame bite. We've been recapping the last several weeks the newest inductees, Quinn, to the 2019 Hall of Fame. Oh, wonderful inductees. Um, Yes. What a class. What a class. Uh, It was okay. It was fine. And in typical fashion, we're doing this one after WrestleMania uh, because we just got back from WrestleMania. Yeah. Just ended. You might notice our attire. (gasps) I mean, that train ride back. In real life, too. Actually, in real life. And we're actually going to get into that before anything else, right? Right. We're going to go into... Our uh, WrestleMania weekend, Quinn, you and I are Jersey natives, born and yes. bred. Yes. Uh, we'll probably be Jersey dead when it's all said and done. This is all true. And we missed the last WrestleMania that was in New Jersey, 29. However, you and I decided, uh, I guess from the day it was announced, that it would be back here. Yeah. Um. You know, we had always said, um, since we've been friends, actually, 20, forever, it's 20 like, years. man, it would be really nice to go to WrestleMania, like, once, you know, like, ever. Yeah, literally. You know what I mean? That was our whole gig. Right. And, and we did it this year. We missed the 29. Uh-huh. And but this we didn't miss this one. We didn't miss this one and we're uh, we're happy to report that we had a good time and we're going to get into a little bit then. We're not going to bore you with every single We're not going to go match by match here. No, we're just going to no, go no. through the weekend for us. Yeah, for from us. our vantage point, That's right? That's correct. Uh and it actually started on Friday in my opinion because the famous Richard Land was with us here in studio to yeah. record something and more on that later. You know, you, that'll be coming out soon. But Richard Land was with us. Yeah, no spoilers. Or no anything. spoilers. But he was here and we got to uh, hang out with Richard Land. We got to watch some wrestling back at Quinn's Place, OVP headquarters. HQ, as yes. I say. Now, what did we wind up watching? We wound up watching the Mega Matches Coliseum videotape. Yes, but I, I don't know how we came about that. I mean, we also watched those, I think before that, we watched those stupid press conferences. The WrestleMania press conferences on the network, right? That were released, but we ended up on Mega Matches, and I remember thinking when we turned it on, and even you said, it's like, I don't even know if this is good, but yeah. like, whatever. Right. Because we were just talking and like drinking and, you know, eating, eating food. pizza and Richard stuff. liked pizza for the first time time yeah. in his life so jersey we start watching this and then we get to the end it's like two macho man matches and they're amazing like with sherry and everything Ma- macho king yeah macho king versus duggan october 89 i believe it is from msg insanely good no idea and i've seen that tape in that match plenty of times but watching right. it just actually watching it 
That I was always, good. I always say Duggan is uh, underrated. Yeah, Duggan's underrated. And then we saw the Macho Warrior match from right after the Royal just Rumble fine. 91. It, it, it went, it, it rolled along just fine on that tape because you're you're coming off the high of Duggan and it's right. kind of a cool down. And right. again, it's sensational. Sherry looks dumb at the end. Like, you know, <laughs> you know how it is back then. That was True. kind of how the, the match that they had yeah. back then. Gets her clothes ripped off. Brother yeah. Gloves on commentary with Sean Mooney. Which that was, actually that kind was funny. Of funny. Uh, so that was Friday night. And now Saturday... Um, Quinn, Richard, and myself, we took the train into Madison Square Garden. Yeah, the world's most famous arena, allegedly. Allegedly. For the G1 Supercard. And I'll be honest, we didn't watch, well, I didn't, Quinn too, but we didn't watch a lot of it. We were actually hanging out with some friends. Yeah, we hung out with uh, some podcast friends. We hung out with Petey Winton of Greetings from Allentown, who was wearing a proud Orioles jersey the entire time. Uh, Baltimore in New York? Yeah, I, and he's from Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. So Pete, of course, you know, did like a three-hour podcast to anyone that happened to be around. Too bad we didn't record it because it could have literally <laughs> been on Greetings from Allentown, the critically acclaimed podcast, Very of critically course. acclaimed, yeah. You know, I'm the Bret Hart of driving that whole thing. I'm sure that bit is coming up soon. That bit is oh, in... Oh, it's in the it, thing. Yeah, that's right. His, it's already it's in, in his podcast this week, <laughs> yes. which he told us about the yeah, bit before he, the bit happened. He had me remind him to do it. So, uh, ah, so we, we, okay. We got to meet Petey Winston, who wishes I was taller. Sorry, I'm 5'9". That's what yeah. I am. I'm, that's how it is. Uh, and then uh, Crockett, Mike Crockett, finally waddled his way down from wherever he was, <laughs> probably pilfering all the free food. And hey. so, we, no, of course, Crockett knows we love him. Yeah. So we got to have a picture, which I was really happy about, of Quinn and myself with uh, Pete Winston from Greetings from Allentown and Mike Crockett of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Yeah, I think you can find that on both Twitter and the Facebook if you scroll down the feed a bit. Yeah. Because we posted a bunch of crap. So we were just hanging out in the concourse for a long time, and uh, we got to meet John D'Amato, a friend of the yes, fan John of the show. John it was great to meet you. Really, it really yeah. was. That was nice, unexpected. Uh, JT Rosero apparently couldn't find his way out of his luxury suite or whatever yeah, he was excuse in. Excuse me. <laughs> he, was, he was telling me afterwards, yeah. JT from Place to Be Nation. We're just giving him a few shout-outs here. And Bill Yankovi was apparently in the house, but didn't get a chance to see us either. So, Bill, we're sorry we missed you, and vice versa. Well, we see you right here. We you see you right see, here, Bill. I see you right now, Bill. So that was what was important to me, but obviously another big important aspect of the G1 for us on a personal level is we got to see uh, our friend and Mike Crockett's uh, partner on the wrestling podcast about nothing, Brian Malone is the brawler, or as yep. we call him, of course, Quinn. The Wine City Whaler, of course. We we started some chants, Whaler. Um, yeah. You didn't hear us. But, no, no one heard us. But... Although I think you heard me at the end. I swear yes. you didn't. You didn't know it was me. Because when you walked out after you got eliminated, which we'll go into for yeah, a second, right. but after you got eliminated, I definitely yelled, we love you, Brian. And, and, you, pointed. and you pointed up. You may have not known who it was, but it mm. was uh, it was me. Quinn, so, Quinn's got a crush. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was great because Brian Malonis is a, a real great guy. Oh, awesome guy. Who we've known, you know, known on a podcast level for a couple of years now. We've filled in for Crockett. Uh, he's been, they, we've been on their show and he's just a great guy and he's uh, been scrapping along the New England Matt Wars for years and years. You know, those Matt Wars are tough. And um, we, you know, two and a half years ago when we first found out about him, we never really would have pictured, holy shit, this guy's going to get signed with ROH. He's going to wrestle at Madison Square Garden. Right. It was, it was a thrill to see him. It really was. And he came out. And he eliminated a couple of people. Yeah, but, he did. But not only that, he had a spot with Jushin Liger. Right. Uh, Brian eventually went out to Jushin Liger. He also had a spot uh, with Bad Luck Fale, which he reminded yes. me of, actually, on his podcast this yes, week. Yes, that's saw, right. Um, which, that's actually, actually a big thing for, like, Japanese fans. Or it whatever. is. So, like, he's, like, the big guy of Japan. Yep. And so it was great to see him. And uh, after the show, I know Quinn and Crockett had a back. Crockett, of course, in my seat, you know, mooching again. Well, uh, we and Crockett were, uh, <laughs> we, we watched the uh, Abushi 
match, I think. Match. Uh, Abushi versus Naito together. You you were back right, I was, right after it was over. But. Pete was, you know, still an hour or two of his podcast with me. Right. Uh, but anyway, for the record, I have no problem with the Japanese wrestling or ROH, and I knew several of the people. I mean, we um, Haku came out. Yeah, you were very fucking, excited about Haku and Great Muta. And Great Muta. I mean, and I knew some of the newer people, too. But really, it was more about the experience. Uh, I'm not, you know, being a native of New Jersey and been to the Garden several times for wrestling, I'm not, like, blown away by the Garden. It just is our arena. Hey, before we get know? to the post-Garden yeah, stuff, um, I want to just say, I want to give a shout-out. I thought uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, um, great ring set. Every, it looked really professional. Almost was, like uh, WWE. Yeah, I know, but I was really impressed with it because, you know, we, we've we seen this company come up from a, uh, you know, Edison Rec Hall ROH that is, yeah. Stuff. Well, where so Carrie Silken will be literally like hanging out after the show, talking yeah, to fans, you know, like in in an armory like bar. Yeah, like, no, where it's real. The fans file in, like so. I thought I know I know some people might say, oh, it's a little like WWE, but I I was just more impressed that like whoa they like they made they, it they to the garden. It, they made it to the garden. I they agree. had this big setup. They had pyro and everything. Sure. I was like, that's pretty cool. No problem there. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, and then we got to uh, after the actual show was over. Or I guess it was still going on. What am I talking about? I don't know what was going on because we wandered up to wherever Brian Malonis was. Right. In his proud, like, glasses, just calm after his match. He was like, so nice. really happy. Yeah. Oh, no, really, he was. So we're hanging out with Brian. We finally get to meet Brian. And then he's like, you know, the Bruiser's right there. Beer City Bruiser, his yeah. tag team partner. So we look over and Bruiser's there. Same thing, just t shirt. He was just like, hey, guys. Like- yeah, we're like, Bruiser, come over. So we had a picture, which again is on our Facebook. And it just makes me happy because it's got Crockett, me, Quinn, and then the freaking uh, br- the bouncers on either yeah, side of yeah, us. Yeah, it was it was a good moment. I, I I really they were all nice guys too. That Absolutely, was, it was so cool. Like totally. Well, maybe I'm I shouldn't be saying they're nice guys because that's uh, I'm breaking the kayfabe. Oh yeah, you got a kayfabe, Quinn. Right, uh, K- they're, they're real big heels. Like, they, they were mean to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very mean yeah but of course richard land the biggest celebrity of this whole thing because he was in demand by everybody the entire weekend pulled in all sorts of directions seriously so after that we we were like first of all we lost richard lose richard by the time we got up to (laughs) crockett and maloney so richard missed all that so we're like we're like, I text Rich. I'm like, where are you? Right. And he's like, I'm with Yokozuna. Now, that's not obviously the Yokozuna, but he is Yokozuna. And I don't know the guy's Yoko real name. Yokozuna. First yeah. name Yoko, last name Zuna, uh, is a member of our group. So that's how we know of him to right. begin with. But apparently he's, you know, been friends with Richard as well. So he had a box up there. I right. guess he's got a lot of contacts, whatever, right? And I'm not trying to sound we don't we're not trying to sound like cool or something. This no, is just no, no. what happened. No, well he was telling <laughs> you know? me he was telling me Yoko uh, was just telling me about how, you know, he's from back in the day with ECW and yeah. right, you know, he right, know, right. he knows all these guys. So like I think he worked he did like a radio he show or something. something for ECW and like he's just, you know, he doesn't do that anymore, but like, right. you know, for WrestleMania week and he kinda went all out, he yep. called in his connections. He and, got a you box. Know. Yeah. So So we wound up in there in Richard Land and Yoko Zoom in his box with whoever else and that was fun and that's kind of how we ended the night right we left yeah. after that we got on the uh train back yeah um, came back and that was it we recovered for wrestlemania right i was really tired just after that so was i, I also drank a lot which i didn't intend to but you know free beer in the yokozuna box i'm not gonna turn it down right. yoko's beer <laughs> yoko beer so the next day obviously sunday wrestlemania uh, we re- all slept in i think well i didn't because i have a toddler right but you two did well yeah and then, well <laughs> then i had to get i had to get richard over he wanted to go in meet some guys uh before the yeah. show 
So uh, he was in demand, like we so said. So I rested up, got some uh, Quinn time. Yeah, Quinn uh, for time. a couple, you know, three hours or so. And then the old OVP team of twenty years, we went to WrestleMania together, just the two of us. You know, we took the train there to because um, we were meeting Richard at our yeah. seats. Yeah. So we went to Caucus Junction, took the very easy, very simple shuttle, or not on the light way rail. back, but we'll get to that. Get to that. Took the uh, the train over to the Meadowlands, got in. It was great, uh, and it was WrestleMania. I mean, it was great to be there. I, a, a couple things just go on the, the going in, which I was impressed. Um, wow, was it easy to just go right in? Like I yeah. thought, I thought WrestleMania it's going to be a nightmare. Security, blah blah blah. It was very easy. You just walk right. Yeah, it's real. They they do do good security. It's not like it was bad security. They had the whole you know that check and everything. But I mean, they were very quick and smooth, and it was a perfect. Like I thought the arena experience. They did a good job. I thought they did a good job, too. Uh, I don't know what time other people got there. We got there about um, the middle of the pre-show. Right. Yeah, 5.30, like the, the, 6 the o'clock. Second, or the, we missed the no, Battle no, no, Royals. We, 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 no, we saw one Battle We missed Royal. the Women's Battle Royal. We missed the Women's and the Cruiserweight match, but we Correct. got there at some tag match, the yep. Revival or whatever. Yeah, so we were there. Uh, that was great. When the actual show started, it was really cool. Yeah. As the lights, it started to get darker, and uh, we got to see WrestleMania in person, which is something, you know, that we said we would do at least once in our lifetimes. Right. Um, just some highlights. Go ahead. Um, real yeah. quick, uh, I really thought the um, the Orton thing was super fun. Like, so, uh, <laughs> I, know, I know some people were complaining, but, like, it, it ended up, to me, being, like, a kind of mini WrestleMania moment. So, like, basically, in Orton and AJ's match, you may have heard on the broadcast, um... There was like a big like light in our face, like in our section, and like our section it was like got, staring at the sun. Yeah, our section got all loud. It's like please turn the lights off or whatever yeah, it was. The all chant. that stuff, and and it was actually like really funny because Orton's acknowledged it on his Instagram and yes, stuff. Yes, I, I like that part of yeah, it. Yeah, and it, I just thought the whole it was we were kind of all laughing. It like, was fun. While, yeah, it was really fun, and I know we missed the match, but I mean that just felt like one of those like crowd moments. Yeah, like, just a good time. Well, the and the match is on videotape, right? Obviously, tape, right. It was taped. It, it, was, it was on tape. It was so on it's tape. not like we couldn't watch it yeah, afterwards. See the match on tape. So anyway, but that was fun. Um, also, I really enjoyed the Daniel Bryan Kofi Kingston Fantastic contest. Match, yeah. uh, great match. And I think overall, I, the uh, the crowd was into that too. I mean, oh, they, they were really they were very into invested. That. Um, and, and being there live, like they were like that was really? like the that blew the roof off. And actually, like I've heard some people comment on the internet um, that were not in the crowd, right? And some people that were, but they were saying like it was dead after that. I didn't really feel that way. That's the thing I wanted to address. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know where if you went to WrestleMania and you were in a different section, I can't speak for your section. And if you watched on TV, I can't speak for how it came across on TV. But overall, like what we could hear around us, the only time people were really dead, honestly, was Triple H Batista. No one cared in our area. Yeah. Uh, And then the very like brief uh, Finn Balor match. But that was a cool down. That, that was a cool down. That, that, that was exactly. designed to be that way. Right. No one really cared about that. The but entrance was cool, though. The entrance people was great. Liked the Finn Balor entrance. All into that. And people were very into, for, again, from our vantage point, literally, right. the women's match. Even yeah. if it don't, I don't know how it came across. I haven't watched WrestleMania back. They were into it around us. They were loud. Maybe they just weren't as loud. And maybe people right. at home didn't really understand that. But I mean, like, people were fucking, like, going nuts yeah. about that match. I no, don't, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. Like, the live arena, you know, to me, from what like, we felt, yeah. Again, we don't know where like you were. All the women's entrances, yeah. and even the match. People were like, "Oh man!" And Joan like, Jett, 
Yeah, like every like every part of it. But yeah, it's true though that people got the fuck out of there as soon as the pinfall went down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people rushed out of there. Uh, and then what? What else was there that was actually fun? I mean, Hulk Hogan messed up the name on purpose and called it the Silver Dome. But then yeah. he then he still messed up the name by calling it the MetLife Center, which I yeah. thought was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was, that I don't was know funny. If that was a subtle like Hogan. Knowing, no, knowing Hogan's that, not subtle. Yeah, I, it was. Funny. Have you Met, ever known the man to be Met subtle? MetLife Center. Yeah, <laughs> nobody. Nobody remarked on that. Like. Nobody remarked on that, right? But he did do that. Uh, but man, I just wanted to talk about Triple H Batista real quick. The crowd was dead for that. Yeah. No lie. The entrance was cool. I'm well, everyone gonna... was waiting to see like what doofy entrances they we would do. We were kind of laughing yeah. just because of just like we as it got more extravagant, we were just like, of course it of does. Of course, like, right. And like that was kind of the joke. And then I don't know again how it came across on TV, but when Doctor of Thugonomics John Cena came Holy out, everyone shit. around us loved that. That woke everyone the fuck up in yes. that like second half. Yeah. I swear, like if that didn't happen. The women's match might have been dead, more dead yeah, than possible. people are even saying now. Yeah, so that, like, I mean, we were all laughing at how corny he was. Like, it was like the everyone, shitty Photoshop. But everyone was, like, going with it. Like, yeah. They were like, you know what? Who gives a shit? This is fun. Right. Like, basically, everyone was doing the, like, oh, yeah. like, after every diss. <laughs> like, we knew it was shitty, right. but we were like, this is great. Yeah, like, of course. Like, like, he's supposed to be corny. That's, yeah, like, the exactly. point. And he's, like, 40-something and dressing like that yeah, right now. Yeah, the crowd like, was just kind of going we, with it. Everyone like, accepted it. Yeah. That it was, we could tell. Everyone was just on the same, same wavelength with that. Exactly. Like, so, I mean, overall, again, being there live, I'm sure that skews anyone's perception. But it really was a fun WrestleMania. Again, if I saw it only at home, uh, I, I don't know what I would have thought. I can't yeah. pretend. You know what I mean? Right. Like last year, we were freaking dead by the end of it because it was long as hell last I'll year. Say, but I'll it sucked last year, the, I think. Uh, just regarding the length. Yeah, go um, ahead. I will say this as a person in the stadium. I know it was like the longest WrestleMania ever, but as a person in the stadium. Didn't feel I, that bad. It didn't feel like like while you were in the arena. Time felt like it was just moving. You were like, yeah. oh man, WrestleMania is really moving bad. along. And then when you got out and you saw your watch and you were like, oh shit. Like yeah. what like I didn't look down at my my phone clock yeah, like really the either. whole time I was there. I just kinda it was just it was all like a daze, right? Yeah. And then you get out and it's like it hits you like a bus. Like right. like and you're all all of a sudden you're tired and right. it's just like holy shit, we were in there like forever. Like a very late bus or yeah. perhaps a late train, which we'll get to in a sec. But yeah, I mean I got up a few times. I went out to the smoking area. Yeah, I was and they able were good to do about that. that. They were too, really right? great yeah. about that. So I, I spread it out a bit. I missed a few matches. You know, again, I was there for more of the experience. You yeah. can always rewatch every single match, but I saw every Everything I wanted to see, right? Exactly. Which was cool. Uh, so it didn't. Yeah, honestly, being there, it it didn't feel that long for me, right? Truthfully, it wasn't until you got out. When we got out, obviously, um, there's a lot of people leaving a stadium all at once, which is common for football games and things right. like that. Well, and what, we took a do? breather for a second, and I think that's when it started. We 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 were like, let's wait for some of this crowd to dissipate, mm -hmm. just so we can kind of get to where we need to go. Right. And we kind of sat there, and after like five minutes, we were like, shit, man, it's yeah. like fucking like. 1230 or yeah. something like and we were in the tr the line that went to the train that goes back to Secaucus Junction which is where you can transfer to pretty much any you know line right uh, and that that moved along at a steady enough pace now, it was slow but it was I've okay heard that what happened is I think the train right after we got the second train okay. which wasn't that which wasn't that long of a wait right and if you remember that guy cut the there, there was a guy who hit the chain link. Like, oh, right. We, we just got we past. We just got across. Apparently, the people after us, those were the ones that waited till like one and something oh. in the morning. And like, we were literally like, we got lucky. Wow. Let's, let's put it that way. Wow. Okay. Um, But 
we didn't get so lucky because yeah. because of what was going on back there. Right. When we got to Secaucus to get the tr- the the local train back to our area, the one thirty one a.m. Right is what it the was. The one thirty one that didn't come till two something thirty almost maybe was two. It, was it no? An hour? It wasn't no, an I hour. thought it was a little after Four. two. It was like a 40 minute delay, like 210 or something like we, that. It came at like 210. Yeah. So it's not like, even though we, we, we skirted the, at the arena right. line, we did not, we yeah. still got home <laughs> at like three. And we're not here to be, you know, we don't need to comment too much on all that because it's all out I there already. I just wanted to give yeah, people no. our personal, like, right. experience, like, what happened. We knew we were in for a long night one way or another. Right. We took off from work the next day knowing that WrestleMania is fucking long. Right. Now, should it be that long? I don't know. I, I, probably not. I, I but just, what do you, you know, people are offering all their interesting ideas to, like, fix it or whatever. Just shorten the fucking show. I like, think that, that's all you gotta do. Like, even by an hour. Yeah, just by an hour. Like if it ended at eleven thirty. Yeah, it's not that bad. Literally, if it ended, they could go over eleven. Nobody would complain. <laughs> right, just don't right. go to midnight. Like it's a little late. When you cross that midnight threshold and you have a fan base that's in their thirties, for the most part, you're right. not going to have some happy customers at the end of the day. And speaking of fan bases in their thirties, and I'm speaking from a live perspective because again, if you're watching at home on the WWE Network, which we've done every year, mm-hmm. you know you're going to be up a little late on a Sunday and you got to go to work tomorrow. But you know that going in, it's like the Super Bowl. You manage it, right? right. Yeah. What I want to know, you fans out there that do go to WrestleMania, and maybe not specifically this one, but any WrestleMania, and let's say you're over the age of 30, as a lot of people are, how the fuck do you do everything in that weekend? I mean, yeah, my, my theory <laughs> is just maybe me and Joe are not vacation people, because I, I don't I'm, really go on vacation a lot. And maybe because we are so local, we didn't treat it like a vacation to begin no, with. No, we treated it like, oh, we're going to the arena, you know? Because there's people tailgating at 11 a.m. There's people doing WrestleCon, Hall of to Fame. To be fair, that for people, for a lot of people, that that is their that's their vacation. That's their holiday, like that's Richard Bland, right? Yeah, like they, that they came here for that. They knew they were getting into everyday active true, stuff. True, true. Like that, they just paced themselves. Because I see people all over Twitter, and I think it's I have no problem with it, but I I can't do it. Yeah, I'm not an old man. I'm 33 years old. Yeah, but you also don't know if maybe you went to like Orlando or something. Like maybe got in the be right like, mind frame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe you'd be like, yeah, I want to go out every day and like do stuff. That's you know? true. A lot of these people aren't going home that night. Right. They're exactly. on. They're in vacation mode. Whereas we were literally just going back to our homes. Right. Exactly. That's so a good that point. Could, be Quinn. Real, could really be what it is. But so if you did go to WrestleMania this year or any year really, and let me know about that stuff. But if you went this year, let me know what you saw from the crowd, what it sounded like, what your experiences were. Overall, it was a fun time. Uh, I can't. Again, I, I would need to actually rewatch it to be more, I think, objective. I've been kind of skimming through it just to see how it came off on TV, and I think it did come off pretty good on TV. Did it actually. really? I was, I was pretty impressed for for WrestleMania because you know, like the the over expectations for it. Yeah, like even WrestleMania meeting half of its expectations is a good WrestleMania it's nowadays because the show's so fucking long. So and, it's like, and it was a feel good WrestleMania. Yeah, all the faces won. Everyone was happy. You got to give them that. Yeah. And I did drop three quarters worth of a beer when Bret Hart came out. But he did. He did. Hey, I stood up to man. clap and I dropped it. It wasn't like I was like in shock. It just like it slipped out of my hand. It took me uh, 24 hours to realize this, Joe. But in one night, we saw the Hulkster, Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart. Oh, and the great Triple H. <laughs> Don't. No. All right. So that's our, that's our story, basically. Right? Yeah. It was a good time. And we we saw two matches that will be the final matches of superstars for all times. Uh, Kurt Angle and um, good. Uh, Batista. 
He retired out. He he. Offic- I'm just retired. saying. I'm just saying that's too that's, retired only 2010. I'm just saying. My point is, is that he's not coming back for any wrestling Good. matches. And all I'm getting at is that you can say that that you went to that WrestleMania that that was the last match those two were ever in. That's all. I guess so. And I was happy that Corbin won because that's the way to do it. Right. Kurt Angle was great. And anyone upset that they that that Baron Corbin won? That's the idea. Yeah. You don't you don't he, win on your he's way out. a heel. Yeah. Like. You're supposed to be upset when the heel wins. Right. I know people think they're ahead of the curve, but whether you think you're mad at the bookers or anything like that, if you're mad that the heel won, that's all they want. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You're getting worked. Okay. Well, so we have, okay. speaking of workers, we have some work to get into here. It's Hall of Fame time now. It's uh, Hall of Fame time. Where so we, thank you for letting us thank talk you very for much. 20-ish minutes yeah, about it, WrestleMania there. And honestly, if you skipped past it, that's fine too, because this is the Hall of Fame bite, and we're going to do the final inductees, and we're going to start with this man right here. Well, Quinn, that music can only mean one thing. It is Beefcake. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. What a package. <laughs> what a package. Here Brutus. he is, the real package. <laughs> the true package. Brutus Buffcake. Uh, Beefcake Barber, as uh, <laughs> Zeus called him. Yeah, whoops. Uh, he had uh, many names, which we'll get into. But it's Ed Leslie, folks. Finally a WWF, WWE Hall of Famer. I don't have a problem with that, I don't I think. Mean, all things considered. <sighs> You know, I, Coco Beware is in. I'm as much, he's better than him. Well, I'll get, I'll, <laughs> he is. I mean, well, in WWF years anyway. I have like no argument as to why Brutus the Barber Beefcake wouldn't be in the WWE. Right, like, exactly. In fact, I, in fact, I'm almost surprised he wasn't inducted by this point. Like, does he, yeah, it, it's like, feels like he would have been in like 06 or something. Like, even that like WrestleMania one one where they From had 05, like, mostly, yeah. yeah, like like they. I don't know. It's just if he feels like somebody that's like a shoe in Yeah, like why isn't he in already almost? Right. Yeah. So Beefcake, uh, Ed Leslie, was most notable for his WWF run, but he, it goes back before that. He knew Hulk Hogan, basically, and became right. a wrestler because of Hulk Hogan, which is nothing wrong with, <laughs> honestly. Any, I mean, people get in wrestling for all sorts yeah. of wrestlers, so I, I can't fault him there. Um, but he was a mainstay with WF from like the moment Hogan came in. Um you know, he until was until the moment le- Hogan left. Right, they were friends. I mean, that that that's what it was. So he he does owe probably a lot to Hulk Hogan. He's I don't think he acts like he doesn't. Though. No, that's true. Yeah, you're like, right. So Ed Leslie um, debuted, I think, as it was he was Ed Boulder when Hulk was Terry Boulder, and then he turned into Dizzy Hogan. Yeah, I which don't... is about the stupidest Hogan first name I've ever heard in my life. What, what is that he, supposed to be? They're brothers, man. They have the spin same around last in name. circles and gets dizzy. Uh, but obviously, Brutus Beefcake before he was a barber, right? Debuted in the WWF in um, about the fall or early winter of 1984. Right, basically when Hogan just had come in. Yeah, yeah, a little a year into Hogan's run, not even. Right, and he was given a gimmick of a male stripper. Is that what he's supposed That's to be? That's literally what it's supposed to be. It's like a Chippendales thing? Yes. Oh, I never got that out of it because he had pants on. Well, like, he had, <laughs> well, he hadn't stripped yet, obviously. Yeah. But uh, they did have a vignette or two where really? he was implied to be a stripper. Yeah. They must have abandoned that quick. Yeah, I think he, they kind of shied away Even from by now. WrestleMania 1, he's not even like that Just an at idiot. All. Yeah, he's just a guy that has a good high knee. <laughs> Just yes, saying. exactly. He was later ma- on, he would have a name that would uh, yes. exemplify that. He was managed by the ver- very bad uh, Johnny Valiant. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Brutus Beefcake, I have to say, it is such a stupidly bad good name. Yeah, it Brutus is. Beefcake. Listen, I, I have no problem with <laughs> his name. Like, it's like, so I, bad that it's good, yeah. right? <laughs> and then you add a barber to the name. Yeah. It, it the, all makes sense. The alliteration yeah. aspect. So Brutus Beefcake gave us that horrible match against David San Martino at WrestleMania 1. Right, but... 
he would also be part of the best match at WrestleMania too. Yes, the dream team who formed in the summer of 85, Greg Valentine, Brutus Beefcake, managed by Johnny V, uh, would become the tag champions. Right. And I believe they beat uh, Wyndham and Rotundo, if I'm Correct. not mistaken. In, in the intervening time between WrestleMania 1 and 2. <laughs> yes, the intervening. That's what they say. <laughs> the intravenous time. Yeah. Uh, which was probably a lot of that going on, if you know what I'm saying. So there you go, Bruce Bar Beefcake, tag team champion. He was. I mean, in the dream team, which is a cool name. I don't yeah. know whose dream that was. but uh, It was a nightmare at WrestleMania 2, as Gorilla would say, for years to come. Nightmare though, Rosemont! Always. So they did have that great match against the British Bulldogs at WrestleMania 2, and they continued to be the dream team throughout 86 into 87. And they were a solid team. Nobody... Like they, I know on the Who Show circuit, they were like hot shit. Like people love that team. I'm sure Brett and Jim probably had a match too. You know, I thought we could have had a real good match. I like Greg Valentine a real lot. I have to say, it. You know, looking back now, yeah, it kind of gives me respect for Brutus as a worker because that he was in worker matches for like a good year. Yeah, but Valentine did most of the work. I, I agree, but I mean, he was it. He was part of it. Like it, he was part of it. He, he played his part. He played his part. He did his thing. He had and, a good look for the time, and I think that really that probably helped him when he split off to. To be a singles guy. I agree. Uh, earlier, Beefcake is uh, very much helped by Greg Valentine. Right. But by the time we hit 87, right. and the Dream Team breaks up at WrestleMania 3, and Beefcake is instrumental uh, in shaving Adrian Adonis's hair, yep. and adopting the barber gimmick, complete with, like, smock initially. Initially a smock. Uh, initially. I mean, the barber does wear a smock. Yeah, no, he does. Yeah. Not, not to wrestle, though, I wouldn't think. No, but he, you know, he takes it off. Just, okay. no, that's just true. go with the flow. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and that was when he became really popular. And yeah. that was kind of the breakout. Was, uh, they gave him music. They gave him that awesome music that we heard yeah. there, which is probably Jimmy Hart because he wrote all the good songs. And, and he's <laughs> friends with Hogan and all that. So <laughs> yeah. it all the, makes sense. There you go. And by the end of 87, going to 88, Beefcake's starting to heat up on the mid-card. He's starting to become more of a popular figure there. Yep. His hair's getting longer and better. Yep. His work is getting better and better by and 88. Yeah, and he goes into WrestleMania four with a Intercontinental Championship shot and um you know and a package at the, at the, at, what a package and at the end of the night i will be the new champion or yep. whatever that was and of course he wasn't um uh, no uh, but we had a big rematch coming up at SummerSlam against honky tonk man however outlaw ron bass uh spurred beefcake's head right uh, which was really a storyline excuse to get a uh, warrior inserted into the match but beefcake remained hot yeah and i i could tell he was loyal to the he was like whatever you guys want basically like yeah. that's kind of how he operated yeah, of course. Career. What is he going to say, right? Yeah. Uh, so he He's has, never said anything like, no. oh, what an asshole. No, no like, he, he really hasn't. Yeah. He just kind of ran with it. Uh, he had a feud with Ron Bass going into 89, shaved Bass's head before Bass left, and then had a really poor match against DiBiase at WrestleMania 5. Right. Mm. But then we go into the Hogan, the on-screen Hogan alliance for the SummerSlam 89, the, the time, Zeus thing. Yeah, and pretty much the rest of his career other than <laughs> WCW, but... Yeah. Well, it's some of WCW. Some, but I'm, yeah. you know, the majority now. Right. Well, actually, eh, no, yeah, most of most WCW. Of WCW right? Yeah. <laughs> so Hogan and Beefcake team up against Savage and Zeus at SummerSlam '89. Hogan is uh, basically elevating Beefcake, you know, to the for the fans' perception and yeah. things like that. If anything, this kind of cemented that Beefcake was like one of he's like a dug in or like you know what yeah, I mean. Like he's right. like one of those guys, and uh, even more so in 1990 because Hulk Hogan had been feuding with Mister Perfect. But around Royal Rumble 1990, as a result of the Brutus Beefcake Genius match, they kind of transfer the, because Perfect interferes, right. they transfer the feud for Beefcake to Perfect, and they have that great match at WrestleMania 6, and I Pretty like. okay, yeah, and, and the, the fun part where he takes the Genius's hat off and it's all yeah. messed up, his hair's all <laughs> fucked up. And I would argue that 88 to 90 is Brutus Beefcake's best period of time in his career. He was a hot, popular face, he was younger, he had a pretty good look, he could yeah. work still. 
But then something happened. Um, he yeah, was, um, I mean, it's not funny. But... He, he was gl- hang gliding, <laughs> no. and his face hit a hit the Grand Canyon, and it fell off. Remember? That's exactly what happened. Oh, no, I'm he just was saying. he was helping. He was parasailing, yeah. hang gliding. <laughs> That's literally in my brain. Like what I just the story I just told you. I thought that for years. Like, that it was hang gliding? That it was hang gliding, and he was like, he his face literally like ran into a cliff. It's actually pretty shitty what happened, though. Uh, yeah. He was with Brian Blair, I think. Because of, of course he was. Don't spend your time with Brian Blair. Yeah. Uh, and, really. And he was, um, I guess, trying to like help a, help secure another parasailer, but the boat took off prematurely, and the, the ladies knees smashed right, right into yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's horrible. I'm, I'm not going to make light of the actual good. injury. But I mean, they uh, kind of made an angle out of it, too. No, I mean, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, we'll leave it to Vince to exploit something. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, how much do you want to bet that that was also Brutus? Like, oh, yeah, like I got an angle. Like, no, it's more like I got a paycheck, whatever yeah, exactly, you want. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in mid-91, uh, he comes back as Brutus the Barber Cake. He had briefly like done a few run-ins. You ever see that with like a mask on? Yeah, he was I've like informally that. called Furface and the Mariner, but that's not what? actually what it was called. But I anyway, don't remember he, that part? But that's fine. He comes back as Brutus Beefcake and hosts the stupid talk show, but The he, Barbershop, which sucked. He starts acting like a lady. It's weird. Well, yeah. So he has this dumb fucking show throughout the rest of '91 because The Barbershop. He's which, not even that good a talker, though. But only one good thing ever happens on it. Well, yeah. I'd say two, but I know you say yours. I'm going to say Shawn Michaels turning on Marty Jannetty. I mean, that right. is that is the thing that people remember. Yes. The, in fact, to this day, they have the stupid barbershop window. They bring it to, around to access every year. You know that? It's true, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, for the record, Jannetty tried to dive through the window to escape. Right, of course, according to Bobby what Brain. What a coward. Yeah. Uh, but no, shortly thereafter, Quinn, I believe in February of 92, Sid destroyed the barbershop. And like, remember he had like all the like powder on himself and he oh, looked yeah, like an he, absolute he maniac. Like moron, yeah, yeah, it was great. That was right before WrestleMania 8, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Now, of course... Now, was that the end of the barbershop after that? It was. Uh, and the last time we would see Beefcake is he makes an appearance on, on an interview uh, right before the Hulk Hogan-Sid match backstage at WrestleMania 8. Mm. And it's just like, oh, Hulkster, you're so good. You know, the <laughs> usual like kissing his ass thing <laughs> yeah, that he so, did all throughout and, then. And this is the point it's this whole lady barber shop um, sucking Hulk Hogan. It's mainly the, like, the sucking up to Hulk Hogan yeah. that really rubbed me the wrong way right, about him. Right, it's all of that. That's where, like, Brutus gets this, like, shitty reputation. Right. And you know what? Like, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, like, what the fuck else was he supposed to do? Now that I'm, like, thinking <laughs> back to it, like, his face he doesn't exist yet. and yeah. can't wrestle, like... Like, seriously. But he did come back in January, February of 1993, faced head diabetes, and uh, that's where Jimmy Hart turned face, because DiBiase and IRS on right. Raw smashed Beefcake's face with the briefcase, leading to a blade job. A which, Halliburton. Excuse me, a Halliburton, yes. Leading to a blade job, which was very rare for 1993. Yeah. They actually let that happen. Eh. And of course, it led to two horrible things. Hulk Hogan coming back in red pants and Brutus Beefcake wearing that stupid fucking mask at WrestleMania 9. Yep. The only good thing about it is it's kind of Brutus the Barber Beefcake's last WrestleMania. It is. So, and he had been insufferable by this point. Uh, the Mega Maniacs both are insufferable. So we've... we've they stay they, the house show tour until August. We, bo- they yeah. both leave together. We've rehashed all that. And, you know, they go to WCW. Um, oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So they go to WCW and they're doing the same bullshit, you know. Well, that's the best part is Hulk Hogan signs of WCW June 94 thumbs up and all that shit yeah. right but who's with him with like a pink tank top and sunglasses Brutus. the entire yep. time yep. and they ha- can't call him Brutus Beefcake he's a butcher or whatever brother Brutai brother Brutai then he turns heel becomes the butcher right 
He gets turns a, on Hogan. Yeah. And he, and he gets a Starcade match, the main event of Starcade. That's insane to me. <laughs> that Ed Leslie main evented Starcade. See, you know what I always look at it that as though on Nepotism favoritism. Well, not even only that though, on paper. Cronyism. On paper, Joe. Cut that paper up. I'm just saying, on paper, the idea of Hulk Hogan's best friend turning on him and that being the main event at like Starcade does not seem like bad. The problem is it's Brutus the Barber Beefcake. The problem like, is, I'm yeah. saying, seriously, that's the problem. A, yes. Two. Like Hulk Hogan's best friend turning on him storyline should be like a major angle. Yeah, you know? but they had done like, how many times are people going to turn on Hogan? Savage turned on Hogan, they do it. Orndorff turns but on Brutus Hogan, they do his, it. was his like long term in the storyline friend. That's all I'm getting at. friend. Yeah. <laughs> and who was the other one that turned Sid turned on Hogan, even though Hogan was really Those the, people were the all the friends with there. him for like three months. Well, because who wants to be friends with Hogan for exactly. longer than that? Well, Brutus does apparently, so. <laughs> Keep getting a job. Yeah, anyway. Brian Nobbs, but. So, <laughs> yeah, Brian Nobbs. <laughs> So he's the butcher now, which is basically Brutus Beefcake in sunglasses. Right. <laughs> that's all it is. Hey, I thought he looked. I'll say this. Ponytail. That's the coolest he ever looked. That's, well, actually, that's no, the Disciple was pretty cool. Yeah, the Disciple. So he uh, he's in the ju- Dungeon of Doom. No, excuse me. The Three Faces of Fear with Kevin Sullivan that's like and- That's the proto-Dungeon yeah. of Doom. And Avalanche, who's Earthquake. before Master came along and like told them what Told me to eat shit, my yeah, son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so then he gets booted from whatever, the Dungeon of Doom, and he's the man with no name or whatever it was. He becomes the man with no name. Let's just call this t- period many gimmicks. Yeah, like, then he's the Yeti. They, no, no, he's not, not the, the Zodiac. Excuse Zodiac, me, sorry. Yeah. The Zodiac. Don't ever confuse him with the Yeti. No, the Yeti is a much Super better Super giant ninja mm-hmm. is the Yeti. Reese. Yeah. But anyway, he's, Super giant he's the Zodiac with the stupid paint and all he says is yes, yes, no, no, or whatever. I and everyone hates this. it. It's Look, horrible. It's horrible, but it's also one of the, like, funniest things ever when we, like it's one of those things we always make fun of like you oh have that to, we make fun of yeah it's yes. like it's, the dungeon of doom they're looking, amazingly good bad type of thing again yeah, it's like so ridiculous that, that it's like help. really hard not to laugh <laughs> yeah exactly like, <laughs> so he's part of that yeah but then finally and unfortunately i remember as a kid this pissed me off quinn's favorite feud from mid-90s wcw or one of them is diamond dallas page versus mark marrow right johnny b bad yeah, it's great and of course, Brutus ruins it right before WrestleMania 12. For whatever reason, I don't know off the top of my head. Johnny B. Bad leaves the WWF. Well, they probably offered him more money or something, or like a main event role, or yeah, the, they fucked remember, all that up. Well, because they made him Intercontinental Champion like immediately. They did make him the champion. Yeah. Um, and they called bru- him the, something Brutai never accomplished. That's true. And they called him the wrong name in his debut, Mark yeah. Morrow. Yeah. But anyway, so Brutus Beefcake comes in as the Booty Man, which is like a disco beefcake. Yeah, what was that? I, I, what I, is it supposed I, to be? I, okay, is what so I mean. I think he's supposed to be like that. Remember how Johnny B. Bad was like effeminate at, before the feud? Like, yeah, when he was a heel. No, even when at the beginning he was still kind of that. Okay, fine. He was like Little Richard or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, that that's you're not wrong. But it that's what like he was the, a heel. The booty man was like hearkening back to that. I felt like this like fun like Big Richard. But uh, you know what? It was really stupid. It was bad. And, and the funniest... The, the booty babe. The, the, okay, the, first of all, they turned... Kimberly. They turned Kimberly into the booty babe because she had been with Marrow for that period yes, of time. Yes, right, right. So she was stuck with nothing. Um, <laughs> but basically, my favorite part of the whole booty man thing is that his finisher is called the high knee. Yeah, I get it. Heine. You get it, because high knee. <laughs> but what's even funnier, though... Is he had already been using the high knee, not as a finisher. That was like in his repertoire right. already. They just, they just said the name faster, <laughs> and they were like, "Now, because he, he's booty man." High yeah, knee. I'll give him credit. That that is good. That's cute. Yeah, that, it, that, it is. That is a wonderful name for a finisher. It's wonderful. And then it uh, 
Hog Wild 96. Remember after Hogan wins the title, he comes out in like an NWO shirt and tries to join and they beat him up. Right, but he hasn't fully turned into like... No, he's not the disciple yet. Cool-looking Brutus. Cool. Yeah, we he debuts, or re-debuts, in February of 98 as the disciple, which is a couple of things at play here. A, he had clearly spent some time in the gym and... He looked good. In I'm the not pharmacy. Gonna, listen, I'm not going to lie. Orion's house. He didn't... I could not tell who the fuck he was at, for a, a bit. Right, like, because he had a big beard, which right. he had never had before. He had a beard and his physique was way bigger. They made he him looked look, better. They made him look really tall. Yeah. Like the way they portrayed him. I don't know how they did that. They just kind of did. He had a bandana and sunglasses. Right. And uh, he was the disciple. He didn't really do much. No. But, but he looked cool. He was a biker gimmick right. named The Disciple, and his finisher was The Apocalypse. Because yeah, yeah. let's make fun of WWF, because that always goes well. I to own be, my competition. Okay, but also, to be fair, DOA deserved to be made fun of at that point. Yeah, they sucked. I'm not saying they're good yeah. or anything, but anyway. But that's kind of the end of Brutus for the most part. He's in the NWO like throughout 98, but like kind of in the Virgil role. Yeah, he's a bodyguard. That's but he's he does. But he's Hogan's personal bodyguard, as opposed to Virgil, who's the shitty like with everyone else. Well, if anyone in the NWO would be interested in Hogan's body, it's yeah. Brutus Beefcake. And that was kind of it as far as his mainstream runs. Uh, as you know, he had little comebacks and stupid, like, Hulk-funded yeah, garbage. He like, wrestled until, like, recently. Yeah, he, he you know, he, he, he was the classic do? older wrestler who would go on the reunion, exactly. the reunion tours. Like you a know? dug-in and all yeah, those yeah, guys. Yeah, which I don't begrudge them. No, they got to no. make a living, whatever. But overall, uh, as far as Brutus Beefcake, if, if nothing else, his WWF run was pretty much like eight years. It was prominent, too. It was a prominent mid-card, upper mid-card, and don't forget his tag team title run. Mm-hmm. Not an all-time great career, but if guys like Coco Ware are in... He's way better than Coco. He, he wasn't like a jobber. In WWF, yeah, anyway. Like, yeah, no, he, he wasn't. He was like a Duggan. Like, he never yeah, lost. he barely lost. It's yeah. true. I'd say fine. I mean, he had a memorable gimmick. Kids loved him. People yeah. were into him. He was over. I th- you know, at the height of it, I thought the Barber gimmick was pretty cool. It like, was fine, right? The, like... Like when he was just solid mid card, eighty eight to ninety, the barber, like there you it was go. great. Like, and he's good in the dream team because he does what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and you're never gonna forget a character like that. He was like a psycho barber. Like it was kind of neat. It like, was kind of cool, right? Yeah. So we're okay with him being. I'm okay in? with it. I, okay. I think it's fine. It, it definitely prominent and memorable enough. Like definitely. Yeah. He, I, I, again, I'm surprised he just wasn't in already. He seems like someone that would have been in. It, right? It's just. It's almost. It's actually surprisingly one of those like it's about damn time ones. Like, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. he's at. What the first six WrestleMania? I know, like it's ridiculous. Like he's just at like everything. He's at a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Big main event match at SummerSlam '89. He's at WrestleMania Nine. Not that yeah. I like that, but he was he was prominent. I'm fine with it. I'm good. Let's do the legacy. There's no music for them because they didn't have music Always when some of these people were our around. Favorite one of our favorite yeah. parts of <laughs> of the year, the yeah. legacy inductions. And if you're new to OVP, maybe this is either your first Hall of Fame bite or the first time you're ever listening to these two goofs over here wearing shirt and ties. Uh, check out the last two years, the legacy inductee episode. It's the last one of each of the last two years. And this year we've had to combine it with a couple stuff. It's a special year. Uh, yeah. Probably next next year we'll be back be to being its own episode, but. So we're going to start with uh, JR's favorite reference when he's doing Japan commentary, Bru- Bruiser Brody. This guy reminds me of Bruiser Brody. Now, mm-hmm. the first thing I want to say about Bruiser Brody is he might have one of my favorite real names. It's Frank Goodish, which kind of sums him up as a wrestler. He's <laughs> he Goodish. Is, he's Goodish. He's um, Goodish. He's also got one of the best wrestler names I've ever heard. Bruiser, Bruiser Brody is awesome. a great fucking name to the point where like people still use it to this day. Like, yeah. they, or they copy it or ape it or like yeah. kind of like a, a similar... Type thing. And he was also King Kong Brody sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, this guy was like, this guy to me, it says held 
numerous regional national wrestling alliance championships as his wwe recognized accolades but um, it's more than that he was influential as a brawler yeah but i also f- think of him as like really kind of one of the heart of like you know regional and independent promotions in the late 80s like well, he was one of the mid main, to late 80s main draws in the mid to late 80s well one of the things that brody did whether you like it or not, is he would skip around to a ton of different promotions. He kind of was only looking out for himself, which again, a man's got to make a living. I'm not going to get involved in all that. Back in those days, you could do that. You could go around and be your own promotion, right? Yes. And that's what Brody was. He was a guy that his name was kind of legendary. Like in, in his He built time. that name too. Right. That's the thing. He, he went to Japan and had some crazy Japan. ass matches. He like, was, yeah. And you come back to America and maybe it, beat up Kamala or some shit. He, like, good. He was yeah. in all sorts of NWA territories. He was in central states. He was in NWA tri-state southeast. He was in world class. He even worked for the WWF in the mid-70s. Yeah, basically he was a he was a commodity. He, he was, was he was something there that you go. even even WWF wanted him in the eighties. Like like they did at their height. From like, what I understand, everybody wanted this guy. He was like, but he was a free agent. That's just how he worked. That's he. That's what he did. Yeah. And as a wrestler, he, if you've ever seen, and this is a horrible comparison, but it's apt. If you've ever seen the Berserker, yeah, that's like him doing a Bruiser Brody imitation. Somewhat, but it's shitty. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. It, it's um, a WWF boiling down Bruiser Brody to like the simplest childish, like, yes, style like like PG. Like a perfect, perfectly like, yeah, said. Like, yeah, it is not like the actual Bruiser Brody, no. but it, it, it's it's WWE's attempt, and I believe he had passed away right before, right that. a couple of years before. Correct. And I guess WWE was like, "Well, we missed him, so why don't we make like a fake one?" <laughs> right. Like, and I believe that John Nord himself, though Berserker, really did like Bruiser Brody, so it wasn't right. a parody; it was like more of a tribute. But uh, guys like Mick Foley. Hugely influenced by Bruiser Brody, his yeah. br- his big brawling, intimidating style. It kind meshed, of an early hardcore wrestler, a bit, yeah, and it meshed well with guys like Stan Hansen and, and all kinds of people like that. God, imagine if Bruiser Brody had lived because I don't think he was very old, old ish. But I mean, he could have, he, he probably would have been a mainstay in probably the early ECW. I could guarantee you. Yeah, well, like, I mean, they were bringing like, guys like Morocco and Snuka, I mean, so yeah, he probably would have worked out more like Terry Funk worked out. Like, fair, if, if, the fair. way I, the way you've seen his him work, that's fair, there, Michael. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. And obviously, the uh, the unfortunate thing about Bruiser Brody is that he was stabbed by Jose Gonzalez in Puerto Rico, who was never convicted for that. <sighs> it was a whole scene. Yeah. We don't need to get into. We don't need all to get that, into but... it. It's controversial, but but it's sad. Really, it's ultimately yeah. it sucks. Um, this guy probably could have been an even bigger legend than he already was. Yeah, if he would have went on for a few more years, maybe. But one way or another, he definitely is deserving of this legacy. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I in fact, I almost think he's deserving of just like he should have straight just been up. in straight up. But I mean, I, agree I guess with you. there's just only so many names you can induct every year, right? And for someone that literally never worked for the Vince Jr. version this of it, a pretty high I honor. understand. Like, this is a pretty high honor for somebody who never worked for Vince. Truthfully. Yeah. Uh, this guy, I think, should just be in, in the regular the thing. straight up, yeah. Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah, I don't uh, get how he's not. But he's clearly not because it's the chief, Joe. Which is not true. He's much better than the chief. I, Wha- I, I think that's debatable after watching. Are you serious? Wahoo's better, and you know it, Quinn. Come on, well, Wahoo's a different kind of um, character. Yeah, he's a real Native American. First of all, he was also a dual athlete. I thought the chief was real. Stop it! He's Italian. Veni Vidi Vici over here, huh? So anyway, Wahoo McDaniel was a an NFL or right? He was a football player. Green Bay Packers, right? And Jets, I think, at one point. Yeah. So he was a football player, and he was also a wrestler. I believe he briefly worked for. 
uh, Vince Senior. I don't know when, but probably in the seventies. But I mean, he's mainly known for being part of the Crockett promotions. Crockett and a lot of the a lot of the NWA Working promotions. Working with Ric Flair. Working with Ric Flair, when he, he was, was younger. <laughs> exactly when yeah. he was younger, he was in a championship wrestling from Florida a yeah. lot. He was in Mid Atlantic. All the the whole NWA strip basically. Yeah. And and near the end of his career, he was kind of like it's weird to think this, but he was kind of the Ric Flair kind of like the the, the respected veteran. Like in oh, by the mid eighties, like that's what he was thought of as. Like he I, was like the Ric Flair of that time. How Ric Flair is kind of like was near the end of his career. Yeah, and in his heyday, he was cool. I mean, yeah. he he honestly was the the big headdress and the cool look and everything. But he also but just like a, his chops were yeah, ridiculous. Like he was say, a fucking rough. he was a badass. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he really was. Now, whereas the chief had the dance, this guy had the chops. Like <laughs> I mean, it was pretty fucking good. That was good, Quinn. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. And again, another guy that I think could straight up just be in the regular WWE Hall of Fame because now they don't give a shit if you worked for them for that long yeah. or not. I mean, honestly, isn't like Vern Gagne in the WWE Hall of Fame? Yeah. yeah, so whatever. But I mean, WWE owns AWA's <laughs> stuff too, so it makes sense. Well, I guess they own all this Wahoo footage though. Yeah, but... they do. I mean, they own a lot of W old uh, World Championship Wrestling episodes. They do. Um, NWA World Championship All this NWA shit. have a bunch of Wahoo in it, so and it was... makes total sense. I'm, I'm not going to like argue it. Right. You know? And he had uh, some great feud with, uh, wasn't it was it Greg Valentine in the 70s? I yeah. broke Wahoo's leg, that whole feud. Yeah. I nope. mean, just totally a memorable character. Again, he's before the entertainment era time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he he leaks a little into it in like into 85, the Hogan 86, era. 87, he's I there say. until, yeah, mid 80s. So. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I loved seeing him in the in the things that I did see. He's good. In, in uh, World Championship Wrestling. Um, yeah. Yeah. The old Crockett show. The show. Uh, he was just a consistent character. Absolutely, and, um, Quinn. He, he was a guy that you felt could stand toe to toe with the world champ. With Ric Flair. Yeah. Even he though he's was, older. He's older older and he might he's probably not going to win but it's like he's not a pushover either and he wasn't a bad promo either was he he was great yeah, yeah. he, he you know promo. he was like a five tool player kind of yeah. like guy and you wouldn't uh, think of him you know if yeah. you're newer to wrestling but really he really was good yeah solid. It's, just, it's a shame he, he isn't in yet you know yeah in the, the regular yeah so they the, good good on them for putting him in and the next one i'm going to say the same thing yet again Luna Vachon, who I think is tremendous and was always tremendous. And what do you think of this? Severely underutilized. I am surprised that she's not in, you know, like... The regular? The regular, because she worked for WF, like, a lot. She worked for WWF in a a couple of different runs, but also as a women's wrestler. One thing about Luna, we're talking about the 80s when she debuted. Mm -hmm. Not in WWF, but, like, as a wrestler we've seen her in other things i can't remember what she she made her way around the territories she was unique right she had a look she had a she wasn't afraid to look ugly and different and badass family members the uh yeah (laughs) right mad dog and butcher yeah seriously that's what she was going for she was second gen she was supposed to be second gen and you know she was those guys were unique in their way in their time and she was kind of that was what that was what she was trying to portray, right? It's right. like I'm this like weird, creepy character, kind of like my my uncle and all. Yeah, that, and my dad. Know? Yeah, and her dad. Uh, Luna is definitely memorable to the WWF fan from the early '90s or Attitude Era, right? Definitely, yeah. right? I mean, how how do you mistake Luna for anybody? Right, right. Tori Wilson's in. Tori Wilson had a solid Maybe career. Tori Wilson should have been the legacy. <laughs> Maybe we're going next year, and we talked about Tori, and we were complimentary towards Tori. But Luna is Luna still alive? I'm, I don't. Oh know. no, I I'm wish sorry. she died about nine years ago. Oh okay. Sadly, oh, man, I know that sucks because like, and that might be one of the reasons why she's only <laughs> in the legacy because they, for the most part, until this year, they've only put 
deceased people in the legacy yeah, yeah. until this year. Yeah. But the thing with Luna that you got to remember, folks, not only was she, you know, and all that, right? She got Sable over. Yeah. Don't she did. ever sleep she on that. She definitely did. Well, her and Jackie. First her, though. Yeah. No, First definitely. her. I actually. Team I, player all the way. Listen, I wasn't a big fan of Luna's initial run as like Bam Bam's main squeeze, but actually, I thought they made good use of her as kind of a badass to fight Sable. And also, the Goldust thing. I know a lot of people think it's stupid. Yeah, the Goldust thing was good, but like even the oddities, that was like a. a good use of her as a face because there was I never, liked it as a face yeah I liked it, Luna because it was face. like what do you do with Luna as a face right and I <laughs> she's great like she, I, yes. I have no issue with her she was also in ECW in between WWF runs she was briefly in WCW in like 97 but nobody cared right um because nobody cared about the women's division in WCW and then she was on the indies she left WWF in 2000 I think but when you think Luna, you think someone memorable, whether you like her or not. She's memorable. Mm-hmm. She certainly left an impression on fans yeah. of both generation, the new generation and the Attitude Era. Yeah, she made it into the Attitude Era. So, I mean, she definitely was, she'll never be forgotten, basically. Right. I mean, when you're in the that boom period, like nobody. Well, like a beefcake. Right. She's part of the cast. Part, right. Like Exactly. She, part of the it, canon. It, she's, people just know who the hell she is. And honestly, not a bad wrestler either, for right. the record. Really. It's really a shame not she bad. passed away because I really maybe I that's why they put her in the legacy because it's for people who can't accept the award. That's yeah, that's what I'm and, thinking. And I Gwen. wonder if maybe they just thought, you know what, like we need to honor her, right? And that's cool. Like that's I think that's, that's fine. Cool. Um, I would have loved to see her alive to receive the award. I'm sure she would have received it earlier if she was still alive. To be honest with you, maybe you're right. I didn't realize she had been dead that long. It's like, been a while, man. Geez. I know, really sad. Uh, St. Jones is the next one. Now, St. Jones. Uh, I, hmm. I, I uh, he's fine in the legacy. How about that? Not in the regular. So this is <laughs> he's fine where he's at because look, when you think of SD Jones, besides King Kong Bundy, what do you think? I think Jobber. Of, yeah, like, I think of a guy that's on a ton of matches for many years in the WWF, the consistently thing. put. Hang on, consistently putting over people, making people look good, and I think there is some notability and some honor in that. I guess here's the thing is that you know what you know who his peers are as far as at the jobber level like of like memorable jobbers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, Johnny Rods. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And, and Johnny Rods is in though. And Brooklyn Brawler. Johnny Rods is in the whole thing. Yeah. No, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Is my point is is he falls fa- to me he falls far below even those two the brawler oh, and brawler probably get in in the regular i don't regular. even know why the hell the book and brawler is not in already but i don't know that's another story he'll probably get in the regular quinn if now, he's ever in sd jones like yeah he did things it's just like it's just <laughs> it's always weird this like just the, legacy, the honor though. they bestow like he's kind of like it's I don't a tip know. of the cap it's like i guess saying, it's a tip of the cap i don't know it's, it's a just, thank you note yeah i guess it's just he's just known it's it's the coco thing to me again it's the big jobber like i yeah, don't but understand I mean, like, coco is much more of a star overall in wrestling not just wwf but like yeah. mid-south and stuff much more of a name than sd jones yeah it's you know what it is it's like with jobbers i feel like all the upper echelon like most memorable jobbers should be in first well, like I said, and, Rods is in. Yeah, but but Brooklyn Baller is. I don't and think Mike Sharp like, is either. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like those kind of jobbers to me, it's like no, you t- you do it like one by one, and well, then like it's just weird. What are you like, gonna you do? Know, like I don't know. But the guy, I'll say this about him: he won occasionally, uh, but you know he was basically what we would call enhancement talent for years. I mean, we're talking until 1990, right? And he's. <laughs> I'll give him this: he was there. He did it forever. Ever. How many people did he help make look good on a given night? You know, and that yeah. matters. That that is a. It's an unsung talent. 
Right. That you really only notice if you if Fair you pay enough. attention. I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the legacy. It's just that I'm just surprised he's in the Hall of Fame in general before Brooklyn <laughs> Brawler. It's just weird. Well, I mean, like, Brawler might be in, in the regular maybe, Hall maybe of Fame. Year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This would have been the year to put him in, too, because where was the Hall of Fame? Yeah, exactly. Fucking stupid asses. You didn't did think of that, Vince. That? And you, you didn't think of that, Vince, did you? Yeah, and you know the Brooklyn Brawler would have showed up. He yeah. He's like a company man through and through. Yeah, I know. Like, now, he doesn't work for them anymore, right? Not on the official level, but he worked for them for like 40 years yeah, or something. He would be ridiculous. on DVDs commentating. Yeah, exactly. Commenting. And he probably still has a deal like that, but he, <laughs> he only has to go to Titan like, you know, twice a year. For him to come in like, and be like, Brett Hall was a great wrestler. Yeah, get, his, get his pension or whatever. <laughs> so we got a Professor Toru Tanaka, which I'm fine with because now, I'm surprised he's not in the regular. Another one. So this is a guy that, now he was Mr. Fuji's other partner. His first partner yeah before saito now saito we i feel like we remember saito more than well because we've been watching here. 82 but that's the professor why. what is he from like the 60s or something yes yeah he's like really 60s old. 70s and he was a big name for his time i guess because he was fuji's tag team partner and he was also an act he went on to become an actor which is funny like the 80s or something like that yep. but he was a he was a japanese heel not really japanese the same way fuji wasn't really from japan Wait, he, but he was actually of Japanese heritage. No? So was Fuji, but okay, they're both yeah. Hawaiian, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just meant yeah. that like he was really Japanese. He was. Re- this is no Mickey Rooney and... Yeah, <laughs> this isn't Japanese that bullshit, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not that. No, he was legitimately of Japanese descent, but he... just he never was... lived in Japan. Correct. He's fr- He's American. Right. The way okay. Fuji was. Gotcha. So they would do the salt-throwing thing, the, the barefoot, the tight... You know, it's yeah. the same thing. And he was a notable wrestler from a time that we're not, you know, connoisseurs of. Now, he is a three-time um, Worldwide Wrestling yeah. Federation tag champ, as well as international tag team. I don't, I don't know even know is. what the fuck that means. Probably but, didn't last, whatever it yeah. is. It, it says inaugural, which means probably also only. Like, <laughs> right. But I have titles no, like that. I have no problem with Tanaka being in. I don't have a problem either. Um, Honestly, I mean, what like he was a tag team champion. He's a notable name from the 60s, 70s. Now, the next one... I do have problems with because I'm like, who the fuck is this? Primo uh, Car- uh, Carnera. Like, this is where I'm like, what? He, he was a boxer. This is like the Farmer Farmer Jones bit or whatever. Farmer Burns. Farmer Burns. This is the same. Like this. What is this guy from the 40s or something? Uh, like the is this 30s, is this our 1940s 40s. guy we yeah. got here? So Primo Carnera. The main thing you need to know about him is that he was mainly a boxer that wrestled after he was a boxer. I think you also need to know he was born in 1906. Yeah. In Italy. And he became, yes, in Italy, where Bret Hart lives. Yeah. And he became a wrestler in like the mid 40s. <laughs> so he was already old. Like it's, he was a boxer. He was like 84 and 11 or something like Good that Lord. as a boxer. Then he becomes a wrestler. And I think that, I guess the most notable thing he did is he wrestled Ed Strangler Lewis. I thought he wrestled Luthez too. Maybe he wrestled Luthez. I don't know, but one so way or another, everyone wrestled Luthez. I mean, Luthez <laughs> probably wrestled AJ Styles at some point. We don't know about well, it. Well, Luthez wrestled. Um, oh fuck, with the uh, Masachono. <laughs> yeah, in like Luthez, ninety. Luthez is insane. <laughs> yeah, he right? doesn't care. Hey, he, is Luthez still alive? No, sadly, I don't think so. He, he's probably that was probably just a cover. He's probably still wrestling, <laughs> like in Antarctica or something. And he's a great announcer too. He's yeah. good at the color and the commentation. Right, but I mean, like. Fuck. Why is Primo Carnera in? I don't know, because cool. WWE likes to pretend they know shit. It, it's literally, it's once again, the, it's the Farmer Burns yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, fine. <laughs> this one is kind of ridiculous, if you really think about it. What, Primo Carnera? Yeah, because yeah. it's like, I, I literally never heard of him. I've been a wrestling fan for almost 30 years or yeah, whatever. Same. I, like, I never the, heard of him either. What the fuck? I, like, what is, it's, it's literally like them digging into Encyclopedia Britannica to find, like... <laughs> 
like under the wrestler section. You know who's probably heard of him though, Quinn, and would tell you all about his drawing power and all that shit. JR? No, Dave Meltzer. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, he like shut the fuck up for once. How about that? Uh, but anyway. Not as not as funny as Primo as uh Joseph Cohen. Burns. Yeah. How about Joseph Cohen? This one is really stupid. <laughs> but this is good too, in a yeah. way, Quinn. Yeah, but because it, this it's was, bizarre. Well, this was a guy that no, this guy led to some good shit because he was a big he was instrumental in getting WWF on the MSG network and on USA network. And that's where all the freaking shit the people love was televised. We're talking awesome. about MSG house shows, we're talking about Monday Night Raw, we're talking about primetime wrestling, we're talking about all American wrestling that everyone loved. That's fine and all, it's just weird. It's like it's another Vince like you know, just went- <laughs> greasing the palms of his friends or whatever. Like it's like that what might- the, did this guy was he ever on wrestling television ever? No. Like did they ever like once mention him? Who the fuck is he? Two like, things. This that might be one of my favorite quotes. That's fine. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> that you just said it's true. Second of all, this would be a good Jimmy Miranda award, a warrior award type right. of guy. This, see, this is a warrior award guy. <laughs> this is not a legacy guy. Right. But it's almost like. It's actually like I feel like he's reaching beyond what what the fuck he should be. It's like the legacy is too high. No, it's he's a warrior ward person. Like it's wrong. That's funny. Like in my brain, the way it works is like as far as the Hall of Fame, it's like your regular inductees, your legacy, and then the warrior ward. But it's not like that's on the side kind. That's of. like the side and the celebrity wing also. Also, way on the side. Yeah. <laughs> now, oh, we did note that no celebrity wing this year. What the fuck is that about? I guess they couldn't get anyone. I'm Regis. Maybe he doesn't want to go in. What is this? Regis, isn't Regis like 90? I'm going to write a fan letter to Regis and see if he, he comes. Do you have a stamp? Yeah. You can borrow one. I have a wife's. stamp, actually, because I had to mail some stuff today. I bought stamps, actually, t- this very day that we're recording this press time. What did you have to mail? Well, um, I had to renew my driver's license. Oh, by mail. Yeah, by mail now. Thank you, Governor Murphy. Thank you, Governor. That's what it says on it. Does it really? Yeah. It's, well, it doesn't say thank you, but it says like Governor Murphy has enacted that blah blah blah. You don't have to go anymore or whatever. So let's move on to Quinn's probably most favorite of this entire class here, Hishashi Shinma. Yes, the president of the WWF into he, the WWF. He from, ruled with an iron fist, Joe. Apparently, he did from 1980, uh, 78, excuse me. Until 1984, the first figurehead president of the Vince era. Right, anyway. of course, he won the uh, 1978 presidential WWF election. Yeah, I forget the guy's name that he beat. There was someone that was president before him, but I don't remember the guy's name. It, it was a close. It was. It a was close, close. It was a close <laughs> election that year. Now, Hishashi Shinma, Dewey, Dewey defeats Truman. Truman. <laughs> that was held up right. like over just to illustrate. Now, this guy's one of Quinn's favorites. First of all, he always calls him Mishima, which is fine with me, and. He's just not remembering his name. That's all it is. Well, it's, it's not like, intentional. It's because I remember the guy from Tekken more yeah, than I remember. Yeah, that's all it is. But I love... It's not intentional. Here's what I love about this Shinma fella. Yeah. Is that he just, like, looms large over the company. Like, right. Um, when a ruling comes down from on high, like uh, Billy Graham's under super secret probation, it means something. This happened in 82. Shinma is very... Um, He's very particular about his rulings. <laughs> now, in real life, he was actually involved with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. He's their kind of Japanese connection. He w- how yeah. they got New Japan people to come to and vice versa. Like, exactly. Yeah. So if you don't know this, folks, and I'm sure you do, but let's pretend that you don't. The figurehead president of the WWF literally did nothing that had real power as far as behind the scenes. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we'll let the guy over here on my right just he can say that. But uh, 
the president was just literally an actor, essentially. Not yeah, but and in Tunney's case, not a good one. But <laughs> but, but this, yeah, this is the guy before Tunney. This is before Tunney. Yeah, this is the guy right before after his seven year term ended. Right, Tunney <laughs> so, got. Tony got in there for. Did Tony get reelected? He had eleven years yeah, until that, I think Gorilla threw him out. Right, <laughs> get out of here. He, he had to resign. Like, You're like Nixon. It was like the Watergate of WWF behind the scenes. They don't really talk about it. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's really under the table stuff. Uh, if this is your first time joining us. There's more where this came from. Don't yeah. worry. Just check our check our podcast feed and the rest of our videos. But yeah, Shinma, I mean, really wasn't a notable on-screen character. He's had a couple of things ever, He honestly. Well, Fink calls him like the distinguished, just like, ton- well, they always call the president distinguished. Not but- Gorilla, though, huh? He was just Gorilla Monsoon. Well, did you say respected? I, I they did Better say have. shit, but anyway, Anywho. yeah. I just I was very appreciative of this induction just because we've been watching eighty two this year where he's still the president where he's still the president and it's just really hilarious that they like put him in this particular year you know (laughs) right so i have no problem with it i mean hey you got to put your former where's tony is tony in in the legacy i don't think so because remember vince is like fuck you i'm promoting toronto myself in 95 and then gets rid of tony screwed forever screwed him didn't even go to his funeral yeah is that real yeah that's real no one from wwe did i know maybe it was maybe they had a wrestlemania that day tony for hall of fame (laughs) maybe there was maybe there was a pay-per-view that day yeah. Well, anyway, there were presidents before Shinma, right? Also, there was one other guy. I cannot remember his name off the <laughs> top of my head, but there was. Yeah. Uh, and why don't we do this now? My favorite one of the whole entire class, literally right. the best one wrestler again, 1982. Well, besides Brody, yeah, the best one besides Brody, maybe, and Wahoo uh, is Buddy Rose, who 1982, like Quinn said, we have really taken an appreciation to um to buddy rose these last few I months i mean geez this guy like freaking was amazing like he he came he really in is. and he's selling for jobbers and stuff he has a great promo ability he's got a good gimmick charisma he's awesome and this yeah. is the guy that we only knew from the fucking blowaway ads and and right the executioner so, what, what we said about buddy rose before you know watch our 82 reviews but like the thing that i like about him in 82 is that he plays the whole character straight rather yes. than, a, than a tongue-in-cheek joke which is the blow away thing the whole like he's still a gimmick. little pudgy he's not as fat no but he's like a little pudgy and he's like acting like he's like hot shit right like, and he's and got he women to, with he him comes to the ring with women he's got the grand wizard the robes the robes the whole deal and i this and he's just good in the ring too the king kong knee he's drop awesome finisher in the ring. i mean he's he's fantastic and um you know he also had a good awa run he had a great uh, doug summers and uh buddy rose that feud with the rockers in the mid 80s yep. that was great stuff he feuded with bob backland here he was a big star in portland before the yeah, wwf he was a, a big 80s star le- like legit but just in the territories yeah his wwf stuff his, his highest level that he got was 82 right as far as i understand yeah anyway. some people may think the blow away but no he's that was a joke. very prominently treated in 80 like we're watching it like he he's is like, seriously he's like one of the top guys yeah his weight is not an object of ridicule the way right. it would be in 1990 right at least you know yeah it's that not, was a tr- that was like here we'll help you we'll give you a run yeah it's like oh no wait like buddy rose is like a dangerous wrestler like yeah he, like he's a, a threat, threat to a the threat. title like despite his unimposing physique yeah but and he, his douchey he, living he's very um athletic though surprisingly kind of like kind of like adorable adrian adonis i can right, draw a lot yeah. of parallels there actually right, yeah and it was weird because they were there around the same time yeah pretty much yeah. right he's another guy unfortunately no longer with us it's been about 10 years for him that's unfortunate it yeah. really is but you know what good for buddy rose cool name to playboy buddy rose it just yeah. works you just know a, just a that's a solid legacy induction it absolutely is and 
<laughs> I could even see them have him in the regular one. Yeah. But I'm fine with Legacy. But now, my boy. <laughs> ah, Jimmy Barnett. Ah, Jim <laughs> Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, boy. This yeah. guy. Now, and, this is good. Okay. Jim Barnett, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion, is the definition of like greasy oh, like God. connections like his tentacles are all over <laughs> like what i don't understand about jim barnett is not all, like simultaneously he's making deals with turner's wcw and vince's wwf and, Turner's like, WCW. he is cutting tv shit left and right like i don't know like what like magic he's working in well, the back, but he is making money as the boom's going and and before it too. This is the thing about Barnett. You got to give him credit here. He was in the wrestling business a really long time. He started in the late forties. Yeah, this is a guy that knew the business as it evolved. You know, as you got to remember, nineteen forty nine is before Gorgeous George, even before it was proven to be a television before TV for the most part. Think you of know, Jim Barnett as like one of the original investors. Like, okay. Yeah, like you wrestling. Can, you can that, go like that, right? He's like he's like one of the like very original investors into modern wrestling. He's a money guy. Yep. Like he's a promoter or whatever he is. Yeah, he's a promoter. I don't even know if you can call him that. Like yeah, he kind of was. He seems to be some kind of liaison also to like connect. Like this promotion wants to book this guy. Kind and of. Jim Barnett kind of is the middleman. Well, in the territory days, definitely. But he was a part owner of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Right, but he never was like fully in charge of anything. No, he that's, wasn't. That's what's so weird about him. He had a stake him. in it. Yeah. But the biggest thing that about that specifically is part of Black Friday. He was one of the people along with the Briscoes that sold his stake in Georgia Championship right. to one Vince McMahon in 84. Again, like I said, Jim Barnett, you go through wrestling history and his fingers are on everything. He was with like the, somewhere, yeah. somewhere in the back. Like there is something that Jim Barnett is touching. He was a high level executive, yeah. I believe a vice president for the WWF from 84 until 87. Right. Then he went to the freaking Crockett's. Right. So this guy was everywhere. And then there's even stuff like uh, like him on WCW in like the early 90s. Yeah, like, he was around. Like, I, I mean, this guy is everywhere. He was a consultant for WWF again in nineteen or in 2002. Mm-hmm. He was with WCW all the 2002? way. 2002? Yes, he was a consultant. Jesus. And he was, but not only that, he was with WCW until it ended. He was there until the end of WCW yeah. before going back to WWF. It's just ridiculous. Like, so he, he's a guy that I guess had a good business mind for wrestling. I don't know that he was ever much of a creative. It seemed like he, I, I just, the way I look at him is he's this weird, like, investor figure, and he always owns, like, minor... <laughs> Something. St- he never, he'll never own controlling stake. <laughs> right, right, that's not, right. That's not his game. He'll like, own an Omaha stake. He'll own a minor stake, and he'll get out, and he'll go to the next wrestling company, buy a little piece what of that. What he kind of did. Sell it, and then buy a piece of that. Like, it's always, like, you know, he'll, he'll work out some deals in the back, get wrestlers that he's met over the years sure, bring right. them over right like, that is the the role of jim barnetti's this weird like i always thought of him as this weird shadowy figure well that's good that's good he has a weird shadowy voice too yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh that's jim barnett and that's the hall of fame uh legacy inductees quinn um not a, not bad, a class. bad year uh Honestly. i don't know what primo and joseph cohen are doing in here <laughs> i'm but okay with joseph cohen i don't mind that <laughs> i think that's weird why Again, like definitely Warrior Award material. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, folks, before we get out of here, I just want to remind you that if this is your first time and you've hung with us here for this hour and 15 minutes, thank you very much for doing so. Uh, You can check out 
our regular Monday audio retro wrestling podcast. It's coming out on Monday is episode number 125. We're going to be talking about someone that went from a star to a jobber. We got the Royal Flush of WrestleMania is coming up. Another round of that. And we're going to be reviewing a very poor WWF show. Oh, <laughs> I'll just boy. leave it at that. Uh, so that's coming up on Monday. And we have a whole back archive. And you can obviously find us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com or join our group. But thank you so much for being with us one way or another here as we have now finally finished, Quinn, the Hall of Fame. We are leaving the Barclays Center now. We're, We're done. out of here. It's, we've been here forever. <laughs> weeks and weeks. I think this Hall of Fame is longer than WrestleMania. Oh, definitely. So, folks, let us know if you have anything you want to share with us. Be, feel free to do that on any of the aforementioned avenues. But until next time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. We are signing off for the 2019 Hall of Fame. See ya.